Hello, and welcome to the Homeland Podcast. Step out to find out it's wet and warm, wet and warm. Tra-la-la, 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 tra-la-la. No one graduates from high school or, or become a teenager in life saying that they want to be homeless. That's the least thing ever crossed their mind. When they become homeless, it, it re, it's, it's a reality check. And what I mean by reality check, the first two weeks that you're homeless, the first week is spent on what, what it shoulda, coulda, what I used to have. Now that I don't have uh, the self, you know, self-esteem occurred, and um, you start to regret, and you don't have anyone to really vent to or communicate, because no one actually knows how you really <coughs> tru- truly feel. Um, when you become homeless, there's no feelings involved. Um, there's no emotions. You're out there. Hello, I'm Bryce Merriman, and you're listening to the Homeland Lab podcast. As the unofficial concierge of Skid Row, Wendell Blazingame has earned his reputation as an angel and as a saint. A man of deep wisdom and kindness and patience, Wendell was gracious enough to sit down with me at the James M. Wood Community Center in Los Angeles as he was getting prepared to host his Sunday afternoon nickel movies in Skid Row. To start our conversation, I asked Wendell to tell me how his story and the story of Skid Row became intertwined. Uh, I came to Skid Row in 2002. Um, After losing my wife, I lost my employment. Um, I lost a couple of fingers have amputated. That's the reason I lost employment. I was disabled. And I was searching to try to find housing, but at the same time trying to find myself. And um, the resources that were here, that are here, were not giving me the answers I wanted. And I made a promise that... um, after I get my housing situated, I'm not gonna let my time be wasted by uh, assisting the aiding individuals that are homeless or are asking for information. And um, so I became that beacon of light and I got, uh, started doing it at St. Julian Park um, that's located in downtown Los Angeles in the Skid Row area. Um, I started giving resources out at the same time. I implemented a program on Saturdays Sundays for uh, for movies on the nickel where I show movies on Saturdays and Sundays uh, for six hours every Saturday, every Sunday. Uh, for I know that a um, movie might not be very much for individuals that are stable in society, but a movie is a beacon of outlet for they can be able to uh, not only be a, a safe haven from the environment, but at the same time, 
one of the movies may stimulate them to motivate them to, to get up and become a productive individual in society. I am also on the board of the Downtown Neighborhood Council. I've been representing Skid Row for 10 years. It's been a, a challenging experience to let them know that this is a community, even though people say through the historical concept is that Skid Row can never be a community. And I said to myself is that to be a community, you must have children. And that's what makes a community. If you do not have any growth, if you just have adults, then it's just a, uh, just a territory that is just vacant. Um, I've seen so many changes in, the, in downtown. I've seen um, consistency of uh, homelessness has become uh, a day of life down here. Uh, we've increased of almost 10,000 a night that are sleeping on the sidewalks down here in a 40 block area. Uh, and that is increasing daily. At the same time, we have a, a special area, I call it a gray area, and that's mental health. Um, the five states that are around California do not service mental health. Their normal procedure is to send them to Los Angeles or to California. The five states or the, the five? The five states that are around California do not do mental health. Wow. <laughs> and so what they do is that uh, they give them a Greyhound ticket or a train ticket and, and send them here. Uh, in the last four years, I've worked with uh, the district attorney's office trying to get a junction because individuals that are coming from the different states to get mental health services they're almost in a, a quote-unquote uh, bracket. And what I mean by a bracket is that the normal individual that comes to Los Angeles County, the first thing they say to themselves, no matter where they are in the world, I want to see the Hollywood sign. I want to see Hollywood. But the, the, the big myth and the reality is, there's no, uh, no myth to it, is that the Greyhound Station is embedded on the outskirts of Skid Row. So when they get here, before they even see the Hollywood sign, they're introduced to Skid Row. Um, Skid Row is a very unique uh, 40 blocks. There, uh, there are many different activities that are going on in these 40 blocks. Um, the Los Angeles Police Department is doing the best they can under the conditions that they're in. Before, uh, two years ago, we were allowed to take their tents down uh, at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning to 9 at night. There should be no tents on, on the public sidewalks. A federal judge approved that it was, it was humane and stated that since they were homeless, they need to keep themselves housed. So they allowed them to put their tents up. And this is why when you go through Skid Row, you see so many tents are up. Um, and we're and the big issue we're going through right now is um, public safety, because if the tents are on the sidewalk, most people have to walk in the streets instead of walking on the sidewalk, and that's what the sidewalk was made for. 
um, at the same time, the city has really truly stepped up their um, their help by giving uh, it's called health and safety, and they uh, they come and treat the sidewalks uh, twice a month. Every street in the 40 block area are being washed down with chemicals <coughs> and making sure that the hepatitis is not uh, outrageous uh, than there are other type of venereal diseases that are all existing with that. Um, that is a great issue that's going on. Plus the how, um, restrooms and hygiene stations. Um, there are uh, unbelievable amount of people with the less amount of restrooms and there are no place where you can wash your hands. Mm. <laughs> and now they're starting to establish they're putting them in the public parks. We only have two parks in the Skid Row area, and that's just the Gladys Park and St. Julian Park. They put hygiene um, stations there where they will be able to wash their hands. Um, they're putting, they were going to basically, I've asked to make increase the number, so we're going to be putting two instead of one because of the traffic. Um, no one graduates from high school or, or become a teenager in life saying that they want to be homeless. That's the least thing ever crossed their mind. When they become homeless, it, it, it's, it's a reality check. And what I mean by reality check, the first two weeks that you're homeless, the first week is spent on what, what it should have, could have, what I used to have now that I don't have. Uh, self you know, self esteems occur, and um, you start to regret, and you don't have anyone to really vent to or communicate because no one actually knows how you really <coughs> truly feel. Um, when you become homeless, there's no feelings involved. Um, there's no emotions. You're out there, and if you have to use a restroom, you have no place to use it, you're going to find some place to use it. Um, you have to stand in line for a food that you don't normally eat. You would have to change your diet. Um, and we've been fortunate to these three missions, uh, plus the Women's Center has allowed them to have a time to take showers. But if you were up all night, uh, you're going to sleep half the day. So um, you're gonna miss showers. So those the areas are are being addressed by the city of Los Angeles and recognize that there have to be some type of shower stations or a place. At this present time, there are none. Um, one of the biggest reality is the individual that has been homeless. And when you're homeless, it's like being unemployed there becomes a gap. If you decide you want to put everything aside and you want to go back and become a protective individual in society, the first thing the employer is going to ask you, what have you been doing? And you will say, I was homeless. And when you say the words Skid Row, the stereotype starts to occur because the negativity of the media has placed that Skid Row is um, a mess, nothing but a, a wild 
confused area um, with a lot of people that are um, on drugs. Um, that is not correct. Skid Row has been the most holiest place, the most recovery, largest community of recovery in the United States. It's Skid Row. Um, sure that you have individuals that are incarcerated or been in a, in a, in a system and, and been released. And so um, when they're released, if they don't have housing, um, they have a couple of facilities here, like the Wine Guard and others that are, that are pretty large. So this is where their probate, uh, parole officers send the guys from prison. Um, and that's the same thing for the females. Um, if you're, uh, you're homeless and you apply for general relief or some type of assistance from social services, um, they have a program that you can be able to get off the street for 14 days why, before you get your first check and they will give you housing um, and they'll be transcendental housing. So after they get their first check, then they have to relocate back on the streets as homeless. But at least they'll have some financial money in their hand. Skid Row has changed so much. It's even at this present time, no matter, what, no matter how much I do and how I help, last year I think I, 159 people got housing from, from my resources that I use. Uh, but right now, um, I'm getting, I think this is, this year is not up yet, and I don't even have 50 people housed because of um, owners are starting to say that um, we're going to raise the rent up. If you're on a fixed income of 221 or if you're on SSI, you're making 940. If you're a vet, uh, you might be 1140 to the 1380, um, that, that even covers the rent in Los Angeles County. The rent keeps going up. There has to be something could be done to stabilize the rent at the same time, recognize that these people are special. What I mean by special is that if you, every one of us on this earth, if we would just look at our own family structure, somebody's homeless somebody's struggling and we have to gear to that that America is based on helping each other we we might disagree on different things of the world but when it comes to America we we pull color set aside we put you know we put everything aside when it comes to helping one another if we have a disaster but we are we are really tight knit in that area uh, this is what makes this country so special. Um, we're all put together, and we we are based on God bless America. But we have to start blessing our man, our mankind that is next to us that is struggling. If we have to use our garages, we have to use open space that is available um, to start putting things up that people can be able to afford. I I love that sentiment of core to America is that we, we pull together. I, but Mayor Garcetti here, you know, declared a homeless emergency several years ago. 
and, and, and still the problem persists, if not getting worse. I, I, heard, I heard some research this morning that said it, it was getting worse. You know, okay. 10,000 more people, 7,000 okay. more people, whatever okay. it was. The, I won't tell you about the joke about that. Yeah. This, this is, I know Eric Garcetti. He has met me several times. And um, from the city standpoint, um, even when he ran for mayor, I had him in his Jamesville Community Center sitting right on the front row asking questions. The money that is allocated under the HHH. Measure HHH is a $1.2 billion bond measure that is designed to fund the construction of 10,000 homes for those experiencing homelessness in Los Angeles. It passed in November 2016 definitely needed. There's still not enough for $1 billion. But the procedure of getting that out and breaking it down on how, what agency is going to serve it, service it, who's going to service it, how and what we're going to do with it, uh, is a time aspect. And as you know, the money was allocated in February, and this is uh, getting ready to get November, and the money has not been spent. I have great concerns of the city of Los Angeles, one of the downtown's most beautiful city in the world. I love Los Angeles, but I love the state of California. Um, I have a great concern that uh, the city has city property, has been kind of, has been gathering together ever since the time the city got together. We have many resources the city has and vacant properties. Let, I know it takes, the, the word is rezoning. I know they need to re, go and have these rezoned in Sacramento for residents. All the warehouses, uh, a, great, a great example is um, a women's institution, a mental, a women's uh, county jails. Uh, it's it's been it it, it housed three thousand females. It's been vacant for almost fifteen years. Um, has three. If it's housed three thousand, it can be converted over to apartment complex, the you know, apartment units. Uh, you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, why, why, aren't the, why isn't the city looking at those public resources right now to get people off the street? More get the, those are questions I'm concerned of. You know, we need to get them off the streets. I know for a fact that around the airports, they call it a, they call it a, a wide zone, is that from the, from the borderline of the, the airports, the fence, then you got a, almost a mile, mile and a half, just clear vacant land. Mm. If you need housing, you could put sheds all the way to housing down there. Sure, it'd be noisy, mm -hmm. but, but you'll have a roof over your head. Noisy's better than... Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It, 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 it. I seen a lady last week that sleeps underneath the bridge on 6th and Alameda. Uh, that's another homeless area that's out of Skid Row. We call that the riverbed. Um, she brought her daughter up because she had no shoes, and the daughter grew out of her shoes. And so um, we got her some shoes and socks. 
but the key thing is I needed to get her to the doctor to get her feet checked. You know, we, we as adults take things for granted because we wash our feet and sell water freely. But for her, um, she needs that assistance to make sure her calluses and make sure she doesn't have additional fungus. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Um, she didn't want to go to the doctor. She just wanted the shoes to get back over there because she didn't want to lose her stuff. And that is a key, that is a key thing, too, because people are buzzards. And what I mean by buzzards, there are people that are just homeless and don't have nothing to do all day, just watching. And, and as soon as the individual turn from their attention of where their items are, other people manipulate and take it. So. But this is the most beautiful city in the world. So, uh, let's go back to what you do on every weekday. Okay. When you're sitting out in the park. Okay, I sit at St. Julian Park, yes. What are, you, what, are you, what are you helping people do, and, and, and why is there a need for someone like you? Well. To do that. Nothing, I don't appreciate you. Well, no, okay, <laughs> all right. All right, when. Uh, most people wouldn't understand. I, sometimes I don't understand. <laughs> but, uh, honestly speaking, I. Uh, there has to be like an information booth or some a resource center in Skid Row. There has never been and never will be. Um, the individual agencies that are here are doing their business only, not doing our true outreach. You know, places they're about, they're about yeah. you know, and helping the, the people come to them. Um, outreach is the most important thing. And you you come to their level. I can, I put myself in on the of uh, St. Julian Park and Fifth Street as they walk by, and a lot of people always ask me what you what you're doing, what can, you know, what are you doing, and they, and I tell them that I I'm here to assist you in whatever area in your life that you need assistance in. Then that means from medical to financially or housing, and uh, find out. And let's talk about it, and let's go from there. Um, I find people have more than just one problem. Once it, you know, but my main, my my main concern is uh, is let them know they are somebody, and they're special in my eyesight. And I speak to them every day, positive encouragement. A lot of people walk in these skid row and don't have no one to talk to, or no one recognize them. As a human being, you know, you're, 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 you're homeless. You understand what I'm trying to say? And I, and I find out to be really rewarding for me is that I always find one thing, the individual that, that clicks me. Like for yourself, I love that hat. Ah, thank you. See, that hat made you smile. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Um, so I do that for whatever. You know, even if you don't have no shoes on, oh, I said, oh, look at your toenails. As long as mine. Just a joke. You know, that special, beautiful yeah. thing is for right. person. Right. And the beauty in them will come out no matter what the anger may be. And, I will. and that's what I do. Do you have any stories of people that you've helped whose stories stand out to you? Yeah, a lady told me, it's, do not judge a book by his cover. Um, this lady pushes a cart every day. Um, 
can't get very close to her because of uh, she has a body odor that needs attention to her. She came to me and told me she's ready to stop sleeping on the streets. She wants housing. And I asked her that she have ID and social security card and do you have proof of income? And, um, and I said, uh, are you sure you're ready? And so she said, um, yes. And uh, she turned around. She turned around and she said, she said, Wendell. And I said, Yeah, I can trust you. I like you. I said, Well, thank you. So she hands me her ID, and I'll be back in a minute. So she goes gets a Social Security card, and then I was calling around, and I didn't ask her. I was waiting for Aster. What is her income? And I, I called around to see if they had any vacancies before I started going into that area. She tells me, I got $18,000 right here. And I started coughing. I started coughing. And I said, what did you just say? She says, I got 18000 right here. I get $2,500 every month. And I, I just been saving my money to get me a place to stay, and I'm ready. And, and I called myself and I said, lady, do you know you can get hurt with that kind of money? She says, only person knows is the concrete in you, and I know you're not gonna tell nobody. And I say, no, I'm not gonna tell nobody, but why do you have that much money on you? I don't trust nobody, but I trust you. I said, okay. And she says, you hold the money. I said, no, 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 no. I said, no, I'm not going to hold your money, lady. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll take you around to this police station. And I know a couple of officers will step outside, and we will verify the amount that you're handing me. And they will sign the paper as a witness. And, um, and I'll give you a receipt of that. And I'll put it in my safe. And um, till we get you housing. The next day, she comes with another $2,300. She just got another thing. And so I had to do that procedure over again. I'm sitting up here with all that money, close to 20 grand. Um, called around trying to find her housing. At the age of 59, you know what I'm trying to say, I don't have no, I couldn't find nothing about her, her rental thing. I have nothing at all about her renting, on, renting owning anything in, in L.A. County. So we did an outreach. We went and stretched out into uh, the whole state of California. No existence. Um, the lady has been living in a mental institution. Not a mental, she was been in a mental institution. She, she was living in a, a convalescent uh, facility after having a major heart stroke. And when she, after she got through the stroke and the heart attack, she, uh, uh, her, 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 whatever her attorneys were, uh, uh, started giving her the money to the Western Union. Um, 
particularly if you're living on the streets. I found her housing in the outskirts of uh, Pasadena, um, one bedroom place. Um, I think it was 900 a month, plus she has to pay her own utilities. So I took her over there. We uh, got her uh, utilities turned on her name, paid the landlord off, and uh, gave her money back to her and tried to get her to go to the bank. She didn't want to go. <laughs> so, um, so I told her the best thing to do is to be like me, is that I, I have a safe. I said, well, go to Home Depot and you look at one that you can handle with a combination. We can set your combination, whatever numbers you want. And uh, we'll come and have, I have some guys bolted to the floor in your house, in your apartment. You get approval by the, the manager that you're not going to face this property and, and put it in there. And, uh, and that's, that'll be your privacy. And then no one else will know about it. And put it in a wooden cabinet afterwards when nobody will notice it's safe there. Yeah. And so I did all that. The reasons I brought, I'm telling you this story, is that she came back to me and she said, thank you. She told me, thank you, but I'm thinking about going back out on sleeping on the sidewalk. It's a lot better, I can really breathe. And most people wouldn't understand that. Some people in life do not want to be accountable for nothing. There have been homeless slavery since the beginning of time. If Adam and Eve was it, there was homelessness, okay? Um, people don't want no, board, no border or no accountability or anything. And, and some, people do, some people do not wish to have responsibilities and I found that to be the young lady I had to just swallow it and accept and smile that that's her choice that is her choice about a, about, about a month and a half go by she brought me that safe told me I could have it and she said she's going to move to Santa Monica to the beach area <laughs> she wants, Everyone uh, likes the beach. <laughs> so, so she wants to move out to the beach area. I did was give her three uh, women shelters that are in the beach, where she can be able to get a hot meal, or if she want to take a shower, you can take these three numbers. And I gave them. I put on the card and laminated the card. I went down the, down the street and uh, had the card laminated, so it will never get wet or anything. And had these numbers on it. And then on the back side, I had my number, so she could always call me. I haven't talked to her in a couple of months, but I, uh, she called me one time and told me she was doing well. So it, that's what I'm saying, never, never, nothing never surprises me. You said that uh, 
Skid Row is a community because it had kids. No, I said Skid Row is not a community. It's not a community. It is. Let's, let's get this clearly understood. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get this clearly. To, to be, when you define community in Webster Dictionary or whatever, or in our own terminology of life, the, when we think of community, we think about a church, we think about kids, and we think about a grocery market. Okay, and a park, four things. Okay, I'm just saying the basic things, or the open space or whatever. Um, you do have churches in Skid Row. You have no children. You have no grocery market. Oh, <laughs> but you do have a little bit of open space. Um, this is a very special community because it was set aside for adult living only. This is where you see a lot of single room occupancy, or you see the SRO. This because they're not based on family structure or any other area, but just single. Uh, you know, uh, for adult living. Um, it's, Time is coming. It's coming, as I speak. I know I'm in the. I'm push, trying to kick the door down now, for family structures to stay together, and children start implementing in there. Um, if you come down here with a family, and you'd like to get housing down here, you have to separate. And children and family and mother and with the kids will probably have to relocate out of the area. Can you help me understand that? Because this is something that really I don't understand is that um, everyone, regardless of your political persuasion, everyone values family right. as, as this basic fundamental Until you get to Skid Row. Okay, tell me about that. Okay, when you get to Skid Row, there's no such thing as family. There, what I mean by that, it has been rules set aside that it will be single room occupancy. Okay, and for adults only. It does not say anybody, you know, our young children, our teenagers, people that are under 20 years old. We have a bulk of them, young individuals that are being released from the, you know, different like from YL youth authorities or, or, or leave home or whatever reason they are, and they're down here too, and that's a gap. That's a big gap between young and old. You know, to an adult, um, they can't get housing. Um, to have a community, you have to have children interacting and inter and observing adults. One of the most curious thing, the most serious thing, when you talk about Skid Row, that makes you want to ball your fists up at times, is that we are the highest rate of uh, child molesters. And pedophiles that are set in this 40 block area. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? The system has placed them in these hotels um, because they can't be placed in the neighborhood they were where they left from, and they still haven't relocated them to a place that that would be bounded. So um, we're we're pretty high in that area. Um, but that that is. Um, a minor area. It's scary for children and it's scary for parents, but it's a minor area. What I mean by minor area is that this is the only neighborhood. A lot of them don't have television, but most of them do have a cellular phones. Uh, the homeless area. They're really protective. If it's just one child, 
or if they're a thousand. You let a child be with some parents, and the child walks towards the, the curb or the sidewalk. Half the, the, everybody's super protective. Uh, and if a child comes in the park to play with other children coming to play in the park, the other adults are very super protective because they don't make sure nothing occurs because they do know that the, the area is infested, you know. I know that the city is having a pregnant conversation right now about the future of this area. Mm -hmm. And and I want to hear from you the, the, the good side of having Skid Row as a place of concentration and containment for people who are experiencing homelessness and maybe the negative side of that and, and how you think about that issue. Okay. First of all, um, the positive side is that you can get a receipt. In this 40-block area, you can get all your services done here. Yeah. All it's the, all right there. It's right here. Yeah. Uh, doctors, uh, uh, mental, uh, whatever consisted, you know, you can get free eyeglasses. If you, I'm just saying. If you, you aren't running all over town and taking them all day. Uh, that's right. You can get dental. I'm just saying you get your ears checked. I'm saying. Anything that you need, you can get it right here in, in Skid Row area, and you don't have to go to no transporting to do that. Um, the other positive thing, the most important thing of all, is that this community does not judge. We do not judge, and, uh, yep. and we don't have to teach them. Nobody teaches nobody anything. They just come naturally. I'm saying that they 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 have they have not just like you have not, so they don't judge or, you know, what I'm saying, you know, you know, they they do they um they like seeing people succeed, um, and it takes longer for others to succeed more than others. Um, everyone in Skid Row is very gifted. It'd be you'll be surprised how many people that are very intelligent. Or individuals that are could be running a C, uh, run a company a CEO, but they decide to just step down. We have attorneys, architects, uh, lawyers, uh, you know, musicians. We they uh, just became homeless and decided not to step back up to the plate. When you ask that, you ask a very good question about Skid Row. The change is that. Downtown is starting to beautify downtown. Uh, they've made a quote, take back Broadway. Not only taking back Broadway, they're taking back uh, all the streets of downtown. Um, as they do this, uh, the price of living goes up. Um, they're starting to build more hotels, more apartment buildings, more lofts. Um, they're leaving individuals that are making less than two grand a month out of the picture. Um, so the homelessness will increase at the same time. Um, where they go, I don't know. I, I really can't say. Uh, all I know is that if we don't wake up and realize how important it is to get places for everyone, this country was not based just for the rich. You know, this country was based on, on individual needs. If, 
if you if you need you have a need, we can help you get that need resolved. That's where this country has always been, and we we have got to wake up and realize that though you beautify downtown, and it's starting to become beautiful. And uh, think about the people that don't have nothing and start placing facilities and placing things, items that are, are housing or, you know, transportational things that they should be able to, to, to do. Because I strongly feel that uh, if you're homeless, you should have an ID badge saying you're homeless. Uh, I'm just saying that if you're, if you're registered as homeless, homelessness, the homeless, and then you should be getting more granted services than you're getting. You know, and it's saying you shouldn't be paying five dollars something to catch a bus. You, you get what I'm trying to say. You only get two two hundred twenty one dollars, <laughs> you know, a month in cash. What are you gonna spend five dollars of that for? Uh, so I'm just saying. I'm just giving an example. Or if you even if you're make, you're making a thousand dollars a month, five dollars is very a lot of money when you pay your rent. You know, and you got to have food, and, you know, and whatever necessaries that you have. I don't know what they're going to do. All I know is that um, they need to wake up and realize that they're in the same boat. They're in the same boat. All it takes is one sub-problem. And what I mean by a sub-problem, as you just looked at the, uh, the last three hurricanes they hit, hit the states um, they're all in the same boat so you know they got to start all over again they have nothing you know so they lost proof of who they have to verify who they are then they have the property who said that you own the property everything has been washed away they have to go to a long to maybe take five to ten years to actually get the structure back the way where you were, or maybe you never get it back, where our system is set up. <laughs> we have no data. <laughs> so you understand what I'm trying to say? So um, they have to take the time out and start taking each one of these lives serious. The only time that we take life serious when a baby's born. Thank you for listening. This podcast is part of the Homeland Project. We invite you to learn more about the project at homelandlab.com. Our work would not be possible without the support of MIGSVR and the Landscape Architecture Foundation's Innovation and Leadership Fellowship. To learn more about the tremendous work of LAF, please visit their website at lafoundation.org. Finally, we want to thank our friends at Yves for the use of their music. You can learn more about the band and find out about their debut album at thesoundofyves.com. Thank you.